Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. At the start of the year, I took my church through the letter to the Galatians. Now, this letter is short, but it's full to the brim with content. So enjoy as we grapple with how big Jesus is and how he changes everything. So these verses here flow out of what Paul has been saying before. So let's quickly remind ourselves where we've been. We've missed a week. So Paul's been explaining the, underlined, bold, however you want to make that, true gospel to this church that he's planted in Galatia. He's explained to them that the gospel, or the good news of Christ crucified, has freed them from slavery, the slavery they were in, setting them free from the demands of the law, and giving them a right relationship with God, not based on anything they themselves can do, but solely on what God has done for them. So Paul has said they're free. And in verses 1 to 12 of chapter 5, he's been explaining that because they're free, they're to stay free. But here in verse 13, he's going to explain another aspect to that freedom. Paul is going to say to the Galatians and to us that you're free to be slaves. Let me say that again. You're free to be slaves. Now that might seem like a contradiction. Or to be precise, according to my year nine English teacher, that's an oxymoron. Now I used to love that word. I still love that word. I used to identify oxymorons to my parents, much to their delight. Something that sounds true, but isn't true at the same time. So how can you be free and be a slave at the same time? How is that a thing? Well, Paul's going to explain that to us through these three verses. So let's take a look. We're going to split this three-verse passage into three parts, not with the verses, because that's not how it works. It'll be a bit too easy. So the first thing we're going to see is at the start of verse 13. Don't abuse your freedom. Don't abuse your freedom. Now Paul is expecting his listeners to be on side with him now. Notice his reference to them there in verse 13 as brothers and sisters. That's family language. That's friendly language. It's friendly language especially in comparison to what he said in the verse before about the false teachers. So he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You see, they were free. They're not under the law anymore. They're not to be disturbed by the false teachers anymore. They are free. But then we get a qualification. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You are free, but don't use it to indulge the flesh. What's Paul talking about here? Well, it's totally possible to pervert and to abuse freedom. That's what we're being warned about here. It's possible to take the freedom we have and do bad things with it. So what bad things in particular? Well, Paul says indulging the flesh. The term flesh there, referring to the way we used to act before Christ. Perhaps you've had this thought. I'm saved, so it doesn't matter how I live. I'm saved, so it doesn't matter how I live. That's the flesh talking. And giving control to our flesh is slavery. It's actual slavery. You see, true freedom comes from being free 
from our natural desires, from the things that we do that we do not want to do. As we live in the present evil age, as Paul has called it, we're still at war with our sinful desires. Yes, the war is won against sin, but there's still pockets of resistance. It makes us long for the day when God comes to set everything right. And the word we have there, indulge, means like a base of operations or a springboard. So the question for us this evening is, what areas are we giving opportunity for the flesh? In what ways are we giving a base of operations in our lives to our sinful desires? We can do it simply by holding grudges against other people. We can do it when we fail to overlook a minor offence from someone else. We can do it when we put a negative spin on the actions of other people. We can do it when we speak negatively about others. And that's just a few ways that this can show itself. The list can go on and on and on. And each and every time we do those things, it gives an opportunity for our flesh to indulge itself. We can do it by turning liberty into license too. By emphasising our freedom, over-emphasising our freedom. Perhaps that's going to a movie that we can't really handle. Or perhaps it's using our freedom to drink too much alcohol. I even saw one Christian website this week saying, pornography is okay because of Christian liberty. Because we're free, we can watch pornography. That's using liberty and turning it into licence. Paul's warning to the Galatians and to us is don't turn your liberty into licence. Liberty from sin is not liberty to sin. Let me say that again. Liberty from sin is not liberty to sin. Yes, the war was won at the cross, but guerrilla warfare still goes on. Those pockets of resistance are still making a final stand. So don't abuse your freedom. So what should that freedom be used for then? This is our second point, second half of verse 13. Use your freedom to be slaves to one another. Use your freedom to be slaves to one another. A more literal translation of that phrase might be slave one another. Use your freedom to serve or to slave one another. You see, that's the complete opposite of indulging the flesh. See, when we indulge the flesh, we're making ourselves the centre of our attention. Our life is focused in on ourselves, curved in on ourselves. Living life with one big long selfie stick aimed at ourselves, singing, I did it my way, as we walk down the street. It sounds silly, but it's not far from the truth. But the life of freedom is to be spent focused on others, serving others, an outward rather than an inward focus. And we're to slave one another humbly in love. We've seen what Paul means already by love. He's defined it earlier for us in the letter. Flick back in your Bibles to chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the ultimate example of love is that of Christ dying for us. 
And earlier, back in chapter 5, you want to flick there again? In verse 6, what we looked at last week. Chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. So love is the expression of true faith. So serving one another humbly in love is a sign of true faith. And that's what Paul says here counts. And Paul says here in the verse, back in where we were, 5.14, that the entire law, every single bit of it, is fulfilled, filled up, completed, when we love our neighbour as ourselves. Now this isn't a command that Paul is giving, that would be a bit backwards after everything he's just said, but it's a description. It's a consequence, if you like. If true faith is expressed through love, then those with faith are doing everything that the law itself pointed to. How might that work itself out for us this week? Well, if you're a husband, it means you can show your freedom by asking, how can I serve my wife this week and make her stronger in the Lord? If you're a wife... You can demonstrate your freedom by asking, in what ways can I support and affirm my husband this week so that he is strengthened spiritually? And we can all ask ourselves, how can I serve others in the body of Christ this week? How can I point other members of church to Jesus? That's demonstrating true freedom. That's the result of being set free from our own personal selfish desires. That's the result of not being curved in on ourselves anymore, but being outward focused. And in doing that, it's going to have a big impact. It's going to impact our homes. It's going to impact our church. It's going to impact the rest of the world. As we think to ourselves, how can I serve this person? Well, ultimately, the best way to serve them is to share the gospel with them, to show them where this true freedom that we have comes from. That's going to impact our evangelism. As we tell other people the good news about Jesus. That's going to impact our discipleship with one another. As we remind one another of Christ crucified. So use your freedom to be slaves to one another. And the final point, verse 15. It's a warning if you don't use your freedom properly. A warning if you don't use your freedom properly. When the false teachers had entered Galatia with their message of works, they'd caused infighting in the church. It's kind of inevitable, isn't it, when we're given something to do? You only have to give some children an incentive to do something, and it will turn into anything I can do, uh, anything you can do, I can do better, to throw in another song there. And Paul's warning is that if you bite, if you devour each other, it's going to lead to mutual assured destruction. Now the language here when I read it makes me think planet earth in my head. You can imagine a pack of dogs or wolves attacking and fighting each other. And that's the language we have here, it's animal-like. But don't we know it too? You might have seen the musical or heard Russell Crowe in the film Les Mis. Well that's a film all about the struggle for freedom in France. But what happened after that in the real French Revolution? Well, the moment the royalty was toppled, the guillotine had come down, the people turned in on themselves. Or maybe a bit closer to home, actually in our homes. How often does one action in our homes escalate and lead to World War III? 
Someone didn't seal the box properly on the cornflakes and now they've gone chewy. Boom. Someone left the fridge door overnight and ignored the beeping noise. Boom. A rash word said at the wrong time and you both go to bed angry. Boom. Or how often do we hear of stories in the church? One person disagrees with another person over the colour of the church carpet and the church splits. It sounds stupid, but that has happened. And what's the connection between all those things? It's not using our freedom properly, is it? It's letting our sinful nature have a springboard. You see, misusing our freedom, giving it a base of operations, can be devastating. It can tear churches apart. It leads to mutual assured destruction. It's worth taking a moment and all of us asking ourselves again, where are we letting our sinful natures have a foothold? Where are we letting our sins set up a headquarters? It's worth asking for our own sake. It's worth asking for the church's sake. And it's worth asking for our family's sake. So there's our warning. It's a warning that if you don't use your freedom properly, well, it's mutual assured destruction. So in summary, what have we seen in this short passage? Well, we're not to indulge the flesh. We're not to devour one another. We're to have liberty from sin and not liberty to sin. Instead, we're to use our freedom to be slaves, to slave one another. You're free to be slaves. Do you see how that works now? So as we go into our weeks, let's give ourselves a real hard look. Let's look at the way we use our freedom that Christ has given us. And let's use it to serve one another as he has served us. Well, there's some things to chew on. Why not let me know what you think by sending an email? The details are in the show notes. But until next time, get on with praising God this week.